0: Hello there and welcome to episode 94 of Right Where You're Sitting Now. We're getting close to 100. That's that's quite exciting. Um, just a, It's just a number, but it's a, a milestone that I'm looking forward to uh, reaching. We should probably do something special for that episode. I'll have to rack my, rack my brain and figure out what to do. Perhaps have multiple guests or some bonanza episode. I don't know. We'll see. Um, joining me once again this week from the uh, ethereal realm have Mark Satir, how are you doing? Ascending,
1: sir? ascending, or ascending. descending? Am I descending or ascending? Ascending. I don't ascending. know. I'm, I'm, I've sort of, I've reached a point now that I, I, I I'm just circulating, like in the. Uh, You're yeah.
0: the Godhead now. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I mean I'm, I'm,
1: I'm, I'm evaporating and then condensing and then dripping down into a liquid and then being evaporated again that will mean something to some people but um anyways i'll leave it at that i just, <laughs> just that image that image i will <laughs> you, just you dripping
0: yeah the a... <laughs> limbic i'm in the limbic yeah uh so who do we have joining us this week well it's uh, the, the very excellent
1: uh Frotto ud uh for the second time this is a part two so uh, we explore the brotherhood of saturn um for the second time So maybe that we can dedicate this one to the uranus Uranal aspect of uh, the brotherhood and the saturn to the former one We do touch on lots of astrological themed um, Elements, uh, liz green gets mentioned which will mean uh, Quite something to some of the people listening. I know but so uh, and uh well anyways the, the, the only thing you can do is to listen to it and absorb what you can and then uh, hopefully you'll be able to translate that in some
0: sense into your lived reality there you go there you go anyway so yeah we won't bang on you kind of you already know who our guest is we you know, we're just continuing where we left off last week but it is a separate interview we, this has been conducted over two weeks so um yeah so if we touch occasionally on the same uh topic um, do forgive us because obviously there was a weak gap between this. Um, but uh, yeah, enjoy, do enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side. Welcome back, Fratter UD. Thank you so much for giving us some more of your time. Um, it's, uh, it was a pleasure last episode, and we're looking forward to it again this episode.
2: Well, thanks for having me again, and uh, pleased to be here
0: excellent excellent um i was gonna start we're just gonna dive back in we're, we should say to listeners you know we'll, we'll say this in the intro but we'll say it again now that you should probably listen to the previous episode before listening to this one because we sort of covered the i guess the structure the the um the bones as it were of the of the F, fs last um episode whereas this one we want to dive a bit more into the uh philosophies and um uh yeah the meat (laughs) as it were of the of the order um and one thing we didn't cover last week and i know people listening to the last episode will scream at me is that we didn't talk about electrical magic and that's one thing in particular that i I wanted to because it seems to be something that follows the uh the fs around when you hear the fs about the fs you always hear about the tepaphone and i was wondering could you talk a little bit about (laughs) the use of electrical magic and the tepaphone at all
2: uh, well, actually, uh, well, this is part of the very, very early FS lore, uh, Quincher and uh, uh, and these people, uh, later on, Barton as well. Uh, well, they were more or less contemporaries, but um, not always on excellent terms with each other. Uh, it's actually in present day or even post-war uh, FS, it's... Uh, it actually doesn't play any role whatsoever but uh, to to give a brief outline I mean one thing uh, you might uh, there's a lot to criticize about Quinch I want you to really dig into his biography what a s- sorry fellow he was in many ways but uh, but uh, he was fairly original in his own line and for his own time and one thing he invented uh, at least so he claimed, was uh, battery magic. Uh, Essentially, this is just, you know, uh, let's put it this way. Photography wasn't really that old at the time. I mean, it had been around for, uh, well, on a more or less industrial scale, uh, only for about 80 years or so. And, uh, well, everyone's probably familiar with with, uh, doll or puppet magic, uh, where you, you know, craft a doll of, of your target, uh, usually victim, but it can also be used for healing and stuff. Uh, and uh, then, you know, you uh, use whatever instruments, needles, uh, spells, and so on and so forth, uh, after you've, uh, you've connected that, that doll or puppet uh, or puppet uh, to, to the uh, target person. And uh, the same can be done or is said to, to be possible using a person's photograph which uh, for a very long time, uh, lots of people in the magical field uh, well, took very seriously and, and didn't really ever like their photos being taken. I, I myself don't like my photos being taken, but not for magical reasons. But uh, never mind. Uh, what uh, Quincheland did was uh, he connected photos of target persons with... Uh, Basically, flashlight batteries, because nothing else was available to, to uh, a layperson at the time, and um, try to influence uh, his target uh, uh, targets uh, in that manner. That was basically what the telephone, or instigated the uh, the the role of the telephone, which is basically nothing else but a kind of uh, you might say. Um, uh, uh hyped and and and, and blown up uh, form of that that specific uh, form of magic in the FS since you're asking about that uh Quincher was was quite aligned with the pre-war uh people uh, uh like Gregorius and others uh who uh who set up the FS and um and uh and uh, so it was discussed uh, in, to some extent, but then again, Quincher himself was, apart from the stuff which he actually wrote, uh, he was actually rather secretive about what he was doing. And and so, uh, as were actually a lot of people of his generation, and so, so he wouldn't always, you know, really let on about what it's all about, how it worked and what was the precise uh, manner of operation and and this that and the other, which of course uh, led to people speculating about it, and and so on. But actually, uh, um, post-war, or at least say part, from the sixties or after the demise of of Gregorius, and and uh, the uh, newly developing or redeveloping uh, FS in the sixties and seventies uh that all that stuff hasn't really been been addressed by anyone except perhaps in private but certainly not within the uh within the um agenda the ideology as it were or the correct curriculum of the attorney
1: yeah i mean uh my first um the first thing i think of in relation to the typophone is the, the franz barden uh, biography mm-hmm um that's 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 where i first came across it It always reminds me of the bit like um the theosophist idea of like Atlantean sending out you know sort of athretic rays and and the secret chiefs sort of sending
2: that's out, where so. it, that, that's where it actually comes from oh. and, and i mean it's a, a more general thing It's a more general thing about this i mean magic uh as we know it uh well usually uh uh, adopt whatever is the you know prime technology or science or scientific theory of its time. Uh, like uh, in the uh, early and ongoing nineteenth century, people you know anthropology discovered mana and and uh, and they discovered or well discovered from a Western point of view, of course, because it <laughs> had been practiced and used by indigenous and other cultures uh, for ages already. Uh, but well, okay. So European magicians, let's put it this way, or magical authors, uh, and uh, anthropologists within the well, as yet pristine uh, academic field of anthropology, which only you know came to existence in the nineteenth century. They they discovered uh, Polynesian mana, and and uh, they discovered uh, Chinese uh, qi or chi, and uh, and uh, this. Wasn't parallel to the, well, not discovery, but but you, you s- developing usage of uh, practical usage of electricity. So this was basically an energy uh, concept, and uh, and similar with rays later on, and that's where the theos- theosophists latched on, and then suddenly it was all about the seven rays, and other people saying, "Ah, they're only using seven rays. We are using twelve. Ha <laughs> ha, you know, <laughs> and we're so much more advanced." And uh, this kind of thing went on for a long, long time. It's actually still going on these days when you find uh, magicians speculating about quantum physics, how they could you know, either explain magic or, or be used for magic or be at least similar or corollaries of magic and whatever. So uh, this has been going on for forever. And... Um, and so it's not, not really that surprising. As for Barton's biography, seeing that you mentioned, it depends on which biography we're talking about. If you mean for Barto, uh, I would say that's not really a biography. It's it's a it's a hagiography written not by himself, at least so he claimed, and he also, as far as I'm informed, uh, always uh, said that it wouldn't uh, that he didn't want to see it published in his during his lifetime. And uh, and actually, there's quite a few a uh, few historical errors or misrepresentations in that particular book for instance um uh, as i recall oh, i hope my memory doesn't mislead me because this was really ages ago we haven't haven't really dug into that matter for a long time as i recall um quincha is uh, depicted as being a pupil or student of bartons now uh i i believed that until uh, i was told otherwise that it was uh, Another long time ago, again, when I actually happened to get in contact with uh, Quincher's son by by phone, who, uh, by co- with coincidence, lived in the very town where I had been to in on boarding school, and uh, not that we'd ever met. Anyway, we had a longer conversation because at the time I was in- confused. But that was okay it was a gentlemanly um conversation anyway talking about that he was quite furious about it and said it was absolute nonsense and uh, you know all this story about uh about Quinture being killed in concentration camp and uh, uh, and um, putting a curse on his tormentors and stuff like that he said his father, I mean Quincher we're talking about, actually died on the. 8th of may 1945 in the very last hours of the war uh uh somewhere in, in 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 the eastern part of germany and um and was actually buried there and he was never in concentration camp and actually uh quincher was part senior which makes it which alone makes it rather unlikely that Bardon was actually uh, his teacher. Uh, and uh, for as, as far as Quincher's son was concerned, it was actually the other way around. It was Bardon who was actually uh, a stud of, student of Quincher's. And certainly, Quincher's stuff as published is a lot older than Barden's stuff. So, so who to believe? And... Um, and so that, that regarding that teppiphone, as uh, it, he also said that uh, the tepaphone was actually a quincher, quincher thing, and Barton basically filched it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of fascinating how in in the, I mean, I've only read a very badly translated version of it, um, but uh, it's, it's fascinating how there there is history in there, but it the the work to unpick it and then you know sort. Of, represent the... the you well, know, I mean, if
2: you, if you read for Barton, I mean, if you take it seriously, then Franz Barton was the second coming. I mean, uh, uh what else, right? He means the world messiah, and I mean, it beats Alistair Crowley Stone Cold, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, uh, it's a hagiography, uh, and uh, to Barton's credit, uh, he wouldn't have any of it, at least not in public. I mean, uh, not sure whether he... he uh, allowed manuscripts of that thing being being distributed amongst his uh, his personal uh, uh acolytes or clientele I have no idea but uh, but at least uh, as far as i am informed uh, he never um he never gave his permission to have it published during his lifetime and uh, and it wasn't published it wasn't actually written by him on the other hand uh, uh, such a fawning secretary as uh, as um uh who who wrote this book, uh, it's highly doubtful that she would have done that uh, against his explicit will. So there we are and uh, well, I'm no I'm no expert in in, in terms of bad research, so uh, I'd really leave that judgment uh, call to others to to decide what is really what in, uh, on that score but uh, but it does make things rather murky
1: yeah and books are like doors and one door leads to another and it's interesting there's a there's another narrative behind that another story maybe a far more interesting Mm,
2: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. and i mean i i I know people who uh i don't know them personally but i know of people because a personal friend of mine uh is is, uh, fairly close to them in the czech republic who are very very strong on Baden and and uh and uh, who really adore him, and, uh, and they're trying to, to uh, you know, dig through his um, his papers or whatever's left of them, and this, that, and the other, trying to reestablish uh, Barton as a as a major major influence, uh, if not the major influence in modern magic. Ah, uh, that's okay. I mean, uh, let them come come and bring the evidence. Uh, uh, I don't mind that. But personally, my take on Baden is a slightly less favorable one. Uh, but uh, hey, I, d- I don't want to tread on anyone's toes here. So, uh, uh, But again, uh, in terms of the fraternity's attorney, um, it has to be viewed in within the context of German occultism, especially post-war occultism, which is one when Baden actually came on the scene as as far as... Uh, German occult literature was was concerned because his manuscripts were smuggled from from uh, Czechoslovakia to Germany and then published uh, in in Germany, and um, and he became quite quite popular there, absolutely, but um but it didn't really uh, help him a lot because shortly after, I mean, he was uh, he was imprisoned. By the, by the Czech secret police and actually died in prison as, uh, as far as, well, the, the story goes. Uh, so uh, it's not that he, that he bust his way to Megabucks in that way. And uh, uh, he, he was quite a, quite a prominent figure apparently before the war as a stage magician and all that. But within the fraternity's attorney, uh, yes, I mean, there were quite a few people in the early post-war uh, for uh, FS, uh, who uh, actually condoned Barton a lot, I mean, he, he was quite an influence for roundabout, I'd say, to the uh, early to mid sixties. After which his, uh his influence uh, started to wane considerably.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you if you read his books, I mean, reading his his works and reading the what wh- wh- little has been written about the fraternity is uh y- you can see you can see the you can see the um the culture you can see the crossover of the culture and lots of the things he talks about and the, even the language he uses um, is, and uh, is, is, is there
2: that's that's very important even even for those orders who will deny that they're contextual in any way you know thinking that they're sort of solid Carry gems uh, unaffected by uh, by the winds of history and uh, and <laughs> whatever. Uh, that's bullshit, of course, because uh, we are all children of, of our time, like it or not. And uh, and uh, we th- we think in uh, the thoughts of our time. We speak the language of our time. We have the concepts of our times, and. Um, uh, there's hardly any scope for escaping from that.
1: Absolutely. We're all situated, aren't we? And we all, we've all got our yeah. tales to tell. We've got our stories to tell a little bit. We're all links in the chain.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, once, once you get, you know, get older, you'll find out very soon when you, when, when the young ones come up and, uh, and suddenly, you know, you, you, you start to realize you're actually living on entirely different planets.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, that's yeah. certainly true. Planet Saturn, perhaps. Yeah, there you go. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <his> Uranus? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll cast a veil over that. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm kind of interested, what was the kind of, how did uh, the magical sort of scene rebuild itself after the war um, in Germany? Because I know from, I'm a filmmaker and I'm interested in film history and I know that it was a real struggle sort of, german films re-entering the kind of world stage as it were but i've always been interested in how how did the magical kind of Malu rebuild itself after the war because obviously a lot of it was forbidden you know um under you know under hitler and i'm kind of interested like how did it all kind of remesh itself and um you know come back to come back to life
2: well uh, i can only uh, really say say something definitive about western germany really because As far as Eastern Germany or the German Democratic Republic or formerly Soviet uh, zone of Germany is concerned, uh, there was nothing going on, or if so, it it was all underground, and uh, and there's there's little to no documentation. One would have to ask people from that era what was actually going on in the GDR. As far as uh, the Federal Republic of Germany, Western Germany, Germany was concerned, uh, well, uh, it was under allied control, of course, and there was a sort of uh, semi-autonomy uh, and sovereignty uh, uh, established, uh, you know, in, in sections, step by step from 1948. And uh, along with that, and that's a more important uh, important aspect uh, possibly, is uh, the fact that that's when when publishing began again. I mean, when, when you know... Uh, uh, publishing houses re-established themselves in pre-war. Pre-war publishing houses started to publish stuff that was no longer forbidden as it was under the Nazis. And um, so, uh, and, and of course, I mean there had been a terrible loss of uh, of uh, of life uh, during the war. So a lot of people were simply dead and gone. Uh, but uh, but quite quite a few uh, had survived, and as uh, Gregorius, for instance, uh, and um, they uh, they tried to re- re-establish uh, what had been uh, more or less the standard uh, of, uh, well, communication and, and, and networking and so on uh, before the Nazis uh, took over and uh, eradicated it all. And... Um, on the other hand, uh, that was, of course, talking context again, or historical context, that was, of course, the time of, of rebuilding when, uh, you know, the whole country was devastated. And uh, so people, uh, yes, they were always concerned with, uh, and that came very early on, you know, for example, one thing was uh, <clears throat> people who had even been missing in action. <clears throat> And their relatives would like would would want to know were they dead were they prisoners of war somewhere in Russia or Soviet Union or, or whatever happened to them and so quite quite immediately after after forty five or actually at the end of forty five you'd see a whole of a hell of a lot of you know uh, what you might say uh, fork magic uh, coming up again I mean. Uh, uh, basically, you know, uh, mediums who would uh, you know try to get in contact with deceased, uh, or to try to find out with some relative uh, whether some relative was still alive or not, and uh, that that is one aspect. But that was, of course, not really occultism in the more formal sense. I mean, that's something that's been going on forever and, and is still going on. But but this is usually not. Uh, uh, not the kind of, let's say, uh, library or published occultism we're talking about. So, uh, so that happened. But uh, in parallel to that, um, uh, lots of occult publishers uh, re-established themselves or came up anew. And um, and um, so, well, let's say, let's say by the mid '50s, uh, it was quite a thriving scene again.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The um, so let's let's look at some of the kind of uh, philosophies and um, uh, practices, as it were. Obviously, within the remit of your your vows. Obviously, I don't want to uh, get you in any trouble with the FS. <laughs>
2: um, no problem. No problem. <laughs> um, so obviously, I, 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 I will tell you what I can, uh, am am uh, Let's say allowed to tell. Yeah. Uh, nothing more, but nothing less either. Yeah.
1: yeah, we 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 exhibit we um observe strict um professional ethics when it comes to magic, and so we if we if we stray anywhere, then 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 do so. So yeah, if
2: if I, if I tell you it's off the record, then I'd uh, like to see that respected. But oh yeah, oh, absolutely. But, uh, but as far as the FS uh, FS goes, I never speak off the record either, so that's mm-hmm. not problem really. But thanks for pointing it out again.
0: <laughs> no worries. Um, <laughs> so in his, because obviously the only frame of reference that we really have um, is is uh, is it Stefan or Stephen Flowers? I've never. I keep calling Stefan.
2: Ah, good question. Uh, I always call him Stephen, but yeah, uh, I think it probably but, is hey, Stephen. Yeah. this I know yeah.
0: someone spelled? that way that's uh stefan well, anyway <laughs> um he's,
2: well he's spelled uh with uh eph isn't he so yeah
0: yeah it's, um, know, but one thing oh. that in his book that i found really interesting um was the he talks about the saturnian archetype and how this is um mm-hmm. a very central kind of theme as it were for the for the order could you talk a bit about the saturnian archetype and the kind of the demiurge and the uh um it's the sort of saturno uranian kind of concept isn't it we sort right. of tu- we yeah. touched we touched on it briefly in last episode but it'd be good to kind of sort of um delve into it because it feels very gnostic to me in some ways but uh
2: um, yeah, that's a big That, that is interesting you mentioning that, and I think let's start off with that because, uh, in, in one way, it's actually uh, it, it is absolutely non Gnostic or anti Gnostic, in another way, it, it really is. And that's, that's an interesting uh, kind of uh, uh, model uh, one has to get through first. Uh, the uh, concept of the, the, let's say, let's put it this way uh, the term demiurge, as it is used in the Fraternitas Attorney, is actually not the Gnostic understanding of the uh of the demiurge but the platonic one the earlier one um with plato you'll find uh the demiurge uh, basically it translates from 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 uh, ancient greek as the, the the uh you might say the the builder the handyman the the technician uh um the work the demiurge with plato is not a divine entity it's uh uh someone you might say it's a bit, bit like a stringer and a doer and a builder and uh uh you know uh, you might say you know uh by a bit by way of a bit of comic relief uh the universe is plumber
1: yeah he's it's uh, like the workman rather yeah. than the architect
2: Exactly. It's, it's it's similar, though not identical, to what uh, in uh, classical Freemasonry you will have with the uh, with the ancient architect. Though The difference is be, being that for classical, or at least deistic uh, Freemasonry, the architect himself is uh, identified with the supreme godhead, and uh, um, this is not the case with, the, with EFS. The demiurge is used in a platonic uh, sense as a uh, uh being uh, well why let's let's go go over to why saturn saturn in the ancient uh, view was uh of course the last of the planets i mean uh, you started off with earth of course and and uh, it was the last of the planets because the trans-saturnian planets weren't known yet and uh, you know like pluto and uranus and neptune and um so what, is, uh, did, uh, Saturn, uh, what did Saturn what did Saturn, sorry, uh, then uh, signify? It was actually the end of the, you might say, um, manifest world, because beyond that sphere, that planetary sphere of Saturn, what did you have there? You'd have the, uh, the fixed stars. You might, you might say the heavens or the divine realm, not the material realm, or the spiritual realm. And that's why within the FS to this day, uh, Saturn is regarded as the dweller on the th- threshold He's the guardian of the th- threshold. Uh, the aim being for the soul or whatever you would call it to rise from this planet Earth uh, through this planetary spheres. Uh, um, well, and the last guardian, uh, you know, in, before the divine realm is Saturn and, and He'll, he'll, I mean, he's, he's a bit of a bouncer, right? I mean, he just won't let you through just because you would want to. You, you'd have to, as you know, you have to uh, uh, be ready. You have to be mature enough. You have to be uh, whatever. I mean, there's uh, a lot can be said about uh, about that. But uh, the Gnostics, uh, at least the majority of the Gnostics, as far as we can discern, both from their own uh, scriptures and, as well as from those of their detractors especially the patristic um uh, christian apologists um who were very vehemently anti-gnostic uh the, the most of them saw the demiurge actually as a as a fallen uh, entity or uh not so much like like satan or lucifer but uh, uh, he was certainly not a divine entity. He was, he was certainly more powerful than than, than the humans. But uh, he was actually uh, an abortion, a cosmic abortion by Sophia. When Sophia wanted to imitate her father, her divine father, that uh, that you might say, good God beyond everything, who is not involved with with the universe or creation in any way, uh, then Sophia really had this uh, this. Uh, um, uh, uh, bore the the the, uh gave birth to the demiurge and the demiurge is usually uh uh, equated with gnosticism or at least most uh, or many uh, schools of gnosticism because i mean gnosticism isn't of course any in any by any uh measure a a unified uh, phenomenon um and the is generally considered to be blind or an evil or an unknowing uh, stupid or whatever entity who believes that he himself is actually the ultimate god which he isn't who, who may actually uh, according to quite quite a few gnostic schools actually created the world but uh, lacking the divine power not being not being the divine the, the ultimate divinity himself uh that's why the world is a is a faulty operation. That's why the world is uh, is, in, is such a well, according to the Gnostics, such a shitty place. Because uh, uh, basically, yes, a, a, a craftsman, but for uh, the very sorry one, the one, one who who really you know lacked everything. Um, for example, there's one Gnostic uh, myth where it says that he created the the demiurge created the first human or adam adam and uh, well yeah from clay but uh, he he wouldn't move so so it was a divine spark that had to be instilled into that clay figure just like in the golem legend hundreds of years later uh, uh, for for this this human being actually to become alive but that is not the doing of the demiurge that is actually from beyond from the from the from the ultimate uh, uh, godhead and that is how humans came to be and so on and so forth so essentially we have two uh, versions of the demiurge we have the, the gnostic or gnosticist one depending on who you ask uh the demiurge being a, a, a kind of actually an enemy of mankind or at least of that divine spark within human beings or or any living beings for that matter um who has to be overcome who rules the world who roots creation who rules the universe with his archons and uh much like a dictator or or a tyrant whereas the platonic uh, demiurge, where which the uh, Fraternitas attorney is actually using as an archetype is, is actually nothing but uh, a severe but just uh, entity that will actually uh make sure that nobody actually leaves this mortal realm or this material realm or this created realm before uh, he or she is ready to do so.
1: Yeah, and and Saturn in himself he sets the boundary i mean always though that very um the most famous thing about the actual planet itself is the is the ring and that always but it was always reminded me of like you know the ring past not it's the boundary on thing the restrictions on thing but at the same time i suppose saturn you know so he's the end of things he's he's like the grim reaper in a way isn't he sort of but at the same time he reaps the harvest because that's where you know that's where things reach their ultimate maturity and and, and... Well, yes,
2: I mean, there, there, there's an etymological and, and, and mythological story, background story to that. I mean, that the that, uh, Saturn being, equi- Saturn, of course, is the Latin name. The, the mm. Greek name was Kronos. Now, there's two, two types of Kronos. There's a Kronos usually uh, transliterated with a K and one with a CH. These, they, those were actually originally two different entities. There was Kronos, the, the, the god of time, like in chronology, chronometer and all that. Uh, with this typically written uh but that's just the convention of course with the, with the ch and there was chronos who was actually a fertility god of of agriculture yeah and okay. uh and the, and the two merged and that's why you have uh, saturn uh you know being equated with grim reaper you know the scythe and and, and, and sickle and all that uh um uh, which were originally but that was very long, long ago uh, which were originally uh uh, not part and parcel of the same entity but that that that, uh, that fusion occurred quite early in the roman empire already and and saturn i mean the latin form of uh, the roman form of this entity of this, well, this god or, or deity uh or planetary uh entity um uh, uh is the is the fused version already and so yes so exactly what you said couldn't have put it better he sets boundaries he sets rules stretches. Uh, strictures. Um, he uh, separates the wheat from the chaff. And uh, yes, this can be awful. This can be horrible. Uh, it includes death and, and, um, and uh, illness and, and pestilence and what have you on the one side. But on the other side, it's much like in the tarot uh, uh, where you have to have death as a, uh, as a figure. Which implies, yes, it may imply physical or mental or spiritual death, but it also implies transformation, and that is what Saturn is all about as well. Or this isn't just, you know, because it's he's he's an evil guy. It's like like Liz Green. Uh, I mean, in, in, in classical astrology, of course, Saturn was always the evil doer, right? Until this this Green wasn't the first one, but but she wrote a very very nice book on that: Saturn and look new look at an old devil. Where, yeah. from an astrological point of view, you actually see, well, no, Saturn isn't just an evil doer, and isn't just it's 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 not that simple. It's not that black and white. You have good and evil, and it's it's all fine, you know, neatly separated because it isn't. Sometimes uh, an illness you have to go through, for example, may actually be the best thing that ha- happened in your life because it causes you to transform into an entirely different and possibly very more powerful, more happy happier being. It doesn't have to be that way, but it can be that way. And that aspect, of course, is uh, what, what these days, especially let's say, uh, since modernity, uh, or let's say the uh, early mid to mid twentieth uh, century, uh, is is the paradigm we prefer, uh, to use rather than 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 stick in these uh, these ancient, you know, uh, good and good versus bad manichaean kind of uh, of uh, binary uh, dichotomies
1: yeah i mean and also and so working.
2: yes so satan sat, 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 excuse me just uh, do that uh satan sat, once you actually come to terms with him whatever that may mean then he is actually an aid he's a guide he's a helper he's a teacher uh he's he's your strongest ally it's just that uh let's let's put it this way he, he hasn't exactly invented humor <laughs> so so yes he's, he's he's grim all right even when he's on your side even when he's a great friend um but he's he's hardly ever funny
1: <laughs> and well well we're laughing now so <laughs> but anyway, we got the well, we have the words Still. also, also the word. I mean, as you say, the word Saturn, the Latin, the the Roman Saturn. I mean, the the root of that is 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 seed, isn't it? S A T. You, that, yes very probably seed. yeah very probably
2: yeah yeah like in the... yeah, for fertility fertility yes indeed yeah
1: yeah in the in the not, necess-
2: not necessarily a fertility i mean yeah okay as an agricultural god that, that's what you would expect right but uh fertility in, in in its many meanings this can be whatever spiritual or ontological or uh or, or whatever a kind of fertility in terms of developing yourself of uh, um Becoming a higher being or deifying yourself, indeed, yes. I mean, which of course again brings us back to Gnosticism, because, yes, the Fraternitas Attorney will tell you a lot about uh, Saturn Gnosis, and it's not that we that we, uh, uh, as 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 the order itself, uh, um that we uh, are against Gnosticism, not one bit. I'm actually currently running running an intensive course on Gnosticism within the FS. And, um, but it's, it's just the term demiurge, which we use in a different, in a different manner. But apart from that, the antinomian, the m- 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 of, uh, of Gnosticism, for instance, the antinomian, uh, you know, approach, the, the contrarian approach towards, uh, uh, towards, um, let's put this way, the, the powers that be, that is actually very, uh, very, uh, Saturnian in a way as well, it's, it's itself as well, because, uh, that's let's, let's take a biographical uh thing. Gregor- Gregorius. Gregorius was originally he was a communist. Uh in, in, in the times of the monarchies already and, and later on, after the war, uh in the in this in the Soviet zone, for a while he was a cultural commissar because uh, uh, yeah, he, he he had been um uh, persecuted by the nazis right i mean uh, nobody <laughs> could uh, could accuse him of uh, of having been a, a, a fascist and um... He was then relegated, but, but that was uh, one of the many purges that occurred at the time. And, and then he went, uh, went off to, to West Berlin. But he, uh, as far as we are aware of his biography, uh, uh, at heart at least, he, he remained at least, a, I'm not sure about communist, because at that time communism meant a very specific kind of uh, ideology, usually equated with Stalinism, which he definitely was not. Uh, whereas other, other, you know, uh, sects or, or schools or um, trends of communism uh, had been, you know, uh, put on the back burner, like you could see Yugoslavia, for instance, or the communism, which later developed in, in let's say, Italy or Spain or, or whatever. But uh, never mind. But commun- being a communist in those times... Was of course antinomian. I mean, because because you were against capitalism, the entire bloody world was either feudalist or capitalist. So, as a communist, uh, that was basically, you might say, even uh, a a type of a gnostic, uh, gnostic attitude towards things. Don't don't coalesce. Don't uh, uh, um, uh, get compromised by by uh, by the powers that be and for me personally at least that's what magic is all about as well is the spirit of rebellion
1: yeah and uh, and on the other current the the in contrast with the saturn one we've touched on it before so it was the uranus the uh the, which is the kind of the opposite the sort of the opposite idea to saturn as the
2: restrictive uh, the... that i think uh, we can trace back to uh to the um late 19th century theosophical and uh extra theosophical uh, speculations on the age of Aquarius and Uranus there was actually uh uh of, of course uh, uh had been discovered by then of course and uh was actually the, the the planetary um element or entity or you might say archetype um that was um Actually personifying this. So, what the fraternities Attorney? If you ask it today, as in its very first day when 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 it was founded, uh, uh, it will tell you we're we're a Saturn Uranian Saturn order, not just a Saturn. In spite of the name, uh, but via Saturn, via our working with Saturn, we what, what we want to do, what our members want to do, is actually uh, prepare ourselves. Or the world everyone whatever uh, uh for the uh uranian age whether you call it age of aquarius or not that's another matter that's 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 not really part of the dogma but um but that's where it comes from i mean uh, so uh, so uh the the whole point about you might you might say what happens after saturn is that then the age of uranus yeah is, and... uh, is achieved and that's that's the whole point of going through this this funnel of uh Saturnine severity and uh and uh proof and and uh exercises and discipline and and uh, this that and the other
1: yeah and I, I think in the book it mentions about the the like the one of the sort of the the sort of purpose goal one of the ultimate purposes is relates to karma the karma of the world, expiating the karma of the... I'm, i've got this wrong mm-hmm. but expiating the karma of the world and no, I'm, I'm merely for well that does relate to saturn's association with those uh, sort of karma and, and destiny and, um, and and working out things from the per- past the potential from the past
2: that's right and saturn is actually viewed as a kind of a you know it's like a, like a cosmic accountant uh, who will actually look at your karma which of course is a it's a, it's not a theosophical concept uh of its own but theosophy because theosophy essentially took it over from uh from indian philosophies but um but that, let, let's let's face it. I mean, that's that's where Gregorius came from, from the Pansophic movement, which itself came came from the Theosophical movement originally. So uh, it was very much uh, much common law at the time, and uh, and yes, uh, um, that's how uh, how this concept of uh, Saturn um, being uh, uh, well, you might say, the final judge of your karma and and of course the the aid the uh the helper the friend if you were is or your, your, your ally as it were in overcoming your karma
1: yeah and there's a bit in there if i remember rightly about the, the lucifer that relates to that transcendent uranian concept and there's a bit about say satan releasing to saturn have i got that right have i
2: yeah but that is uh let's let's put it this way that's uh that's that's rather um well tentative really I, I i i don't really uh yes that there is that element there is that uh, luciferian element not not the, the satanist element in the it, well of course it depends on how you define satanism especially these days where every man and his dog is a satanist <laughs> or, or, or pretends to be uh uh the way i you know when when i was young uh uh, uh, satanism at that time really basically meant a a, a kind of reverse catholicism
1: yeah i mean that uh, was it yeah i mean crowley had a dog called satan i don't know if that's related but it did remind me (laughs) it did remind me uh when i as soon as i read that though I, i i i in the, I didn't, yeah, I didn't get the impression from the the book itself, the text itself, because it wasn't wasn't that represented in it. So how much, how much did it mean? But it it reminded me immediately of like the process church because they talk in this Satan Lucifer kind of contrast thing and. Um, I, I True, just...
2: but, but that was a lot later, oh, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, 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 yeah, I, I was glad they concede that it's an entirely different story today. I mean, today, saying Satanism is just about, you know, a, a kind of reverse Catholicism, you know, where, where you ha- would have had, you would have to have a defrocked Catholic priest to actually conduct a black mass. Uh, I mean, this is all 19th century, uh, you might say, uh, Romanticism
0: there is a part wait, in the wait, book wait. that talks about um sort of higher and lower octaves and um uh, satan mm-hmm. and Luc- and lucifer almost being a kind of um uh, i don't know what the word is um it's sort of an embodiment of enlightenment almost
2: that is that that is true uh, where, where... Well, I'll give you another another example of that. From from, uh, old Saturnian, uh, FS Saturnian lore, uh, it is said that the the sun's core is Saturnian. And that Uranus is the higher octave of Saturn. So uh, why am I mentioning the sun now? Because Lucifer, of course, is the light bringer. And uh, Eosphorus, uh, Eosphorus, uh, the the the, the uh, Lucifer in, in Latin, of course, and uh, uh, equating Lucifer with the, with uh, Satan in the sense of Satan meaning the incarnation of evil. That is actually uh, something the church did and not uh, not not the Luciferians themselves there was a lot of Luciferian noses going on in, in antiquity for instance uh, but they were certainly not uh, subscribing to any uh, you know kind of um, uh, first church of Satan Laveian Satan no. kind of uh, ideology not at all well that seemed to happen in but, the new uh,
0: testament didn't it i mean the original satan was like a, a lawyer of god wasn't he he was like a Satan's most sort of devoted servant in a way rather than um this kind of evil character and i think i believe even jesus gets called a satan at some point you know it's there's a it's it does seem that the, the church kind of turned him into a, a bit of a boogeyman didn't they yeah
2: that, that, that's what they Did and uh, and of course you mean it's just like they demonized uh, pagan gods, and I would because they were of course when Christianity started off and let's say especially Orthodox Christianity, not the Gnostic uh, kind. Um, they were surrounded by pagans. The whole entire Roman Empire was pagan, and uh, yeah, you also had Jews, of course, in uh, in in uh, what is today Israel, in in Galilee and and uh, Judea and so on. But uh, uh, but you know, Greek and Roman religion was pagan. And so when when Christianity came about, uh they you know they, they wouldn't get a very good press, as we'd say today, when if they said, you know, all these gods don't exist. Uh they would say, yes, they are not gods. They they do exist, but they're only only demons. And uh and that's where Satan comes along as well. And, and suddenly, uh, you know, this Lucy, Luciferian library, I mean, this is basically Prometheus, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the Prometheus legend. Uh, and, uh, hey, if you, if you are a, a proponent uh, of a conservative status quo, uh, if you were Zeus, you wouldn't, and that's actually what happened in the myth, uh, mythology, right? That uh, you wouldn't like what Prometheus was doing. And so you'd punish him if you could. And that's basically, essentially what the what what the church tried to do by by um, demonizing uh, pagan gods, demonizing pagan faith, and uh, establishing Satan not quite as an alternative god, because no, that would be the Manichaean heresy, wouldn't it? And uh, they're not Zoroastrians, and, and, and this, that, and the other, and not dualists in that sense. Um but uh, but that's of course that's where the Theodicy comes from because uh, that's what the Gnostics actually asked early on. I mean, if 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 we assume an all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-good, all-benevolent God, then where does fucking evil come from? You know, why do why do infants die uh, in uh, uh, in infancy? Why why are children? I mean, we're not talking about adults who might have sinned or done bad things or whatever and are punished by by whichever divine instance we assume but we're talking about you know things like catastrophes like you know um earthquakes <laughs> or uh, volcanic eruptions or or, or delusions and, uh, and and what have you and uh uh where does that come from uh evil stuff which even happens to people who aren't evil who aren't sinners and so on and that's that's essentially what 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 Got the Gnostics kicking, and uh, yeah, and, and Orthodox Christianity tried to uh, to more or less, you know, uh, hand the dirty end of the stick to Satan.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Book of Job sort of tries in the Hebrew mm-hmm. Testament mm-hmm. tries to kind of um, explore those issues. It's not sort of an intellectual argument. It's more of a kind of well, we could we we could the 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 paradox of God's omnipotence. We can fill... We're not going to solve that tonight, I don't think. <laughs> no, uh, no. But, but, no, but, but we, well, we might. But <laughs> just, 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 well, if we certainly it, oh, do, we'll, 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 we'll solve,
2: solve this problem and all others just <laughs> <laughs> really
1: We can uh, enter into the mystery. I suppose that's <laughs> what that's what the uh, the Book of Job sort of invites you to do. So I suppose that gives us the the, the, the in the broader sense the, the metaphysical magical backdrop to the Brotherhood of saturn and then you've got within that you've got uh pacific magical practices or interests uh there's the the yoga of the black dark light which is the sexual magic thing yes yeah yeah,
2: yeah and yeah.
1: then they got the rings the idea of like rings not just as tokens of um recognition but also as a, a sort of magical uh, objects in themselves, um, talismanic objects in themselves, um, and there's a details of that in in the book, and um, again that reminded me very much of the Franz Baden um, he's he, what he writes quite a lot about that that kind of thing as a specific, you know in because every
2: everybody at the time did i mean Quincha did in his own peculiar way uh so did uh, uh musalam and uh and so did actually quite quite a, well gregorius to a, to a large extent as well why because that was common law at the time that was common you might say knowledge that was occultism what Crowley does in his, in his particular way. And so later on then did Diane Fortune and William, William Gray and, uh, Israel Rigardi, the whole, whole golden dawn was about this kind of stuff. So, so that was all more or less, you know, I'd say, uh, common, uh, commonly accepted, uh, practices, concepts, uh, uh, ideas and, um, yeah, dreams and, and, and whatever. And, uh, uh, what, what still constitutes a large part of so-called esotericism to this very day.
1: Yeah. And the, um, and Solomon's fabled magical ring and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, so it goes, and also it's, it's sort of come into the future, you know, the idea of a magical ring is got, is got an archetypal idea, you know, that's, that you, And so that's, is a
2: uh, Jewish demonology for that matter or angelology if we're, we're into that. And uh, yeah. I mean, it, it all derives from, from different sources and they're not all, it's certainly not all Jewish. They're certainly not all uh pagan. There's quite a, quite an, influx of eastern thought uh, quite early on actually uh there's this uh, this this, it's quite an interesting point uh, that uh, a lot of gnosticism was actually early antique gnosticism was actually very strongly influenced by indian Samkhya and uh, buddhist philosophies yeah Uh, and and, and possibly vice versa yeah
1: i was very struck as well that one of the there's a there's a sort of grimoire traditions in the fraternity of satire. and they but also uh, it it didn't refer to it in terms of solomonic it said faustian and uh, that yeah. struck yeah. me yeah. is that, yeah. Yeah. Is that yeah. a, 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 a specific, is that is that something just lost in translation or is that a very specific uh
2: well i think it's a specific german thing really in a way i mean uh, uh if Fusch comes to shove, having to distinguish between Solomonian and Faust, Faustian tradition, uh, you couldn't really uh, really make a point because uh, it's it's essentially interchangeable. But because of the huge influence of Goethe and to Goethe's Faust. Uh, which, of course, was influenced by Marlowe's Doctor Faustus, but that's another matter, which p- most people uh, don't realize or don't uh, know about, or or, or uh, actually didn't know about in Goethe's times as well. Uh, there's this whole German uh, German, uh, you know, what you might say, idealism. I'm talking of idealism, the philosophy, of course, uh, and, and romantic uh, uh, view of German thought being essentially Faustian. Yeah, German thought... philosophy being Faustian, and uh, you will find you will find that even in in, in such an antinomian thinker like Nietzsche, and uh, who who certainly wasn't wasn't really you know uh, very happy with whatever status quo and especially religious uh, status quo of his time was uh, was you know trying to uh, to score points. Uh, but yes, this Faustian thing, uh, this is the, the view of Faust as put in Goethe's drama not just drew good, good as fast fast one first part but also the second part which is actually far more important one and most difficult to understand uh where faust actually represents hu- the human being striving essentially for divinity or self-deification if you want and uh what happens when when humans actually do that and when they fail and and this that and the other, and um and uh, but in terms of practical magic uh for example who was a publisher of occult literature in the uh, early to mid uh, 19th century in leipzig he published a hell of a lot of a uh, lot of um, possibly about 90% of german occult books of the time but they were actually very very shoddy uh editions like uh, sixth and seventh book of moses Came from that yeah. source. That's a sort of folk um, magic, isn't it? From yeah, the... exactly, exactly. And uh, and for a very long time, all we knew about grimoires was actually that, pardon my French, that crap that came from <laughs> from Scheibler's presses, because uh, he would throw because it was an entirely commercial venue. He just threw together whatever old manuscripts he had, whether it was from Agrippa or from Paracelsus or or from some some, some uh, Renaissance uh, most. Usually people say medieval, but but really there was preciously little medieval uh, about uh, grimoire magic. The the uh, mindset was medieval, that's true, but the but the books written were actually f- were written far later on. I mean, in the Renaissance and later, and uh, yeah, so so he would clobber together whatever looked interesting uh, to to sell, and and that is uh, of course a lot of these uh, so-called Faust hollenswinger or faustian um uh uh hell spells uh, uh are are all about those are basically they constitute a major part of the german uh, grimoire tradition until fairly recently
1: yeah you've answered a very important you've you said that, that you've answered my question really well there because that's the impression the impression i got was when it was using the term faustian it was more um like a, a um in terms of German um, culture, like, like Goethe's influence. And I suppose G- G- Grimoire tradition would probably be, oh, sounds like a strange thing to say, but better translation. Um, because, I mean, in, in, the, in the Faustian narrative, he, he makes a pact with the devil. Well, that goes against the Solomonic tradition where your inherent divinity... <laughs> gives you exactly. command over the the the, the spirit yeah. so uh, and and that's often the, the a common misconception so you've answered that you've shed light on that for me um quite excellently thank you very much Excellent.
2: Um, but, but even then a lot of people when they review the Salomonic tradition will tell you well what you're doing there is actually evil
1: well, yes. Ah, not that I'm, not,
2: not that I'm subscribing to no, that. No, no, I didn't think he was, actually. But that is the common view. So so that's where they say, yeah, well, basically, you're like Faust. You know, you're actually, you may not know it. You may think you're, you're dealing with good entities and proper forces and divine... Uh, 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 instances and whatever but uh but hey there's always illusion right which is actually something you will even want uh about in the sohar and the kabbalah kabbalah and in in, in in jewish tradition right i mean uh, how do you know whether that entity you're actually conjuring up like Dr. john Dee did for instance uh how do you know uh that 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 is really a divine entity, and uh, not someone from heaven, from hell, coming to uh, to uh, gobble up your soul or whatever.
1: And some say heaven is hell, and some say hell is heaven. But I suppose uh, I imagine mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, I, well, I mean, again, that opens up a much broader philosophical landscape, uh, which yeah, we yeah. could, which we could fill with. But anyway, <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm kind of interested in. Um, can we talk about? Uh, there 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 does seem to be a kind of what they call praetor human entity tradition within the um uh, fs and in it seems to be could you describe the the gotos g o t o s um and there, there, appears to be a sort of similarity in some way between that and the secret chiefs of the Golden Dawn. Well,
2: well, well no, uh, it, it is not that. It, it, it has does have nothing to do with uh, with the Golden Dawn concept of secret chiefs or the Mahatmas in theosophy, uh, like you know, a kind of a ruling elite, uh, um, non-incarnated, but uh, but uh, meddling in, uh, in human affairs or correcting whatever goes wrong in the world. Now that. Not, not at all, not, nothing like that at all. Uh, the Gotos, uh, as far as I'm allowed to talk about it, is uh, basically, uh, you might say, the personification of the Egregor. It's the personification of the Egregor, and the Egregor obviously being being uh, an entity which is either artificially, or you might say consciously created by, a, usually by a collective, by a community of, let's say, magicians, uh, uh, or a magical brotherhood or whatever, or which uh, which comes into existence by their very uh, interaction, which is not a... There's a, there's a difference in that. The, the Gotos is nothing uh, the fraternities claims as having created consciously, you know, by will. Uh, it is more considered to be, uh, essentially, you might say, something like the group spirit of uh, of the members of the fraternity's attorney, um and as such it can be tapped and 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 uh and uh uh contacted as it were but it's not it's it's not a pre-human entity in the sense that uh, it was there before and it was the gotters who who created the fs in the first place nothing like that nothing of that kind it's not that that uh, uh, every great grandmaster has to uh to sort of uh uh ask the goddess's permission for anything or, or whatever no it's, it's actually an for all is all i said about its, it's collective nature as an egregore it is actually an entirely personal thing uh, okay it's yeah. an entirely personal individual thing in terms of uh uh you can assume it's there or you can't you, you know people won't throw you out of the fraternity's attorney if you say well uh, for me this." Goto's concept uh, is is, uh, is simply Pollock's. No no problem, no problem. Uh, but um, it's still used in a original sense. But that uh, that could be interpreted in any way you prefer. But if you see, see the Goto's as the uh, the personification of the egregor, and mind you, I'm not saying that everybody within the FS actually sees it that way. Uh, for the simple reason i'm not saying that because uh, I, I don't know because we don't actually discuss it a lot okay and because it is such an individual thing uh for you to actually you know get in contact with or align yourself with or contribute to or ask for um for assistance uh, or, or whatever but essentially uh you know when all is said and done at the end of the day you could say uh the gotos is generally considered to be the personification of a group spirit of uh, of this brotherhood
1: and and does it relate to the the shadow in something, you know the Jung-Yin sense of the shadow uh,
2: there are uh, quite a few um, members who will uh, view it in exactly that manner saying that the gotos actually um represents or or, or uh, personifies uh uh but but usually not the not the collective but but then usually the the individual or their own individual um uh shadow the goddess uh, is also assigned to the 33rd degree which is the last degree in the in the in the degree structure of the fraternities certainly after the reform uh, uh, in the early 50s and um uh but uh you won't you won't find any scriptures uh telling you or explaining to you uh <clears throat> what the 33rd degree actually implies and what rituals you have to do to to, to conduct uh, to uh, achieve to it or uh, nothing of the sort again it's an for all its collective um genesis you might say as an egregore uh it is an entirely individual instance uh which is entirely it's up it's entirely up to the members, uh, whether they uh, they want to deal with it, whatever that means, or not.
1: That's, yeah. So this thirty third degree is all dedicated to that concept.
2: That's right. Yeah. Of course there's other speculations about it what does the g mean or what does the s mean because there's an oto in the middle and and that stuff but i i can't really talk about that because uh for part part of it is because uh, because of my vows but another part is because uh uh hey you you asked five people and you got six opinions
1: and also in the in in the flowers book the, the, i mean it, it, we had like we mentioned the rings and there's the, there's a bit about dowsing as well and the sort of pendulum work and and obviously the more relating to the oto i suppose is the the sexual uh, gnosis related things and there's that's an, right yeah and there's a number
2: the, 18, of, the 18th degree yeah. degree or gratus pentalfi yeah uh, i think i mentioned that last time didn't i yeah, it was you did. actually, it was in, introduced in order yeah. to fuse the swiss oto with a fraternity's attorney even though that didn't come about in the end
1: yeah and uh the the there's also um, initiation ritual for the the ninth. What's that called again? The ninety nine. The, the there's a, out towards the end of the book. There's a there's a. a minute, there's an, I, we've got the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you relating to the
2: FOGC thing or uh, the? Oh, I, I don't have the book present at the moment. FOGC
0: ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah, yes, but that's a, that's, yes. a, that's
2: that's that's sorry, but that's an entirely Bardonian thing, and and uh, yes, I, I am aware of some. Uh, some brothers and sisters who've been uh, interested in that uh, that matter, but it's not, not not at all part of the fraternity's attorney and never yeah. was.
1: And I, well, I was I was curious about the authenticity of that. I mean the 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 I mean, I mean it, it sounds actually it's got it sounds like it's got is it would be an initiation ritual which would had genuine merit in in elements of it certainly into in the themes are exposed and how it it engages the initiate you know the candidate with that. But, um, yeah, was, but you
2: know, you know, my background—my background being in in literature and uh, uh, comparative literature and English literature, especially—I'll just refer you to Robert Louis Stevenson's Suicide Club. Or an
1: archetype oh. of that thing I oh, see. So, yeah I mean right in the beginning what 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 I thought was a <laughs> what I thought what I thought was a bit um I was curious about is that right at the beginning of the initiation for that particular thing it says are you an upstate something like I'm paraphrasing here are you an upstanding member of society and 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 presumably if it was as they were all diabolists of the the darkest hue, you, they, you wouldn't say, "Well, yes, I'm I'm a perfectly, perfectly respectable person," <laughs> and and then they would welcome <laughs> welcome you in on that those grounds. They would probably show you the door, but, <laughs> but so that didn't yeah, re- but, that somehow but, but didn't. But,
2: but, but frankly, the whole ent- entire FOGC thing is, okay. That's my person, personal opinion. You can can uh, subscribe to it or not uh entirely up to you or your viewers or listeners um personally i think that's about as real as is the the great black lodge you would find uh, mentioned um, by some theosophists or alice bailey or whatever when they try to explain the way the second world war because hitler was aligned with the great black evil black lodge or something i'm sorry i as far as I'm concerned, that's uh, it's all uh, bullshit.
1: <laughs> and uh, is is alchemy a, a theme then? Because that's something from is that is that
2: not uh, not not uh, formally within the FS. Although well, there are a few people within the FS who are actively actively engaged in in uh, alchemical work. That's true, yes. But uh, you see, the FS is uh, uh I, I think I've said that before. I've always uh, compared it to a sponge. You know, it takes it takes all sorts of different impulses from outside. As I said, I mentioned last time, when Spiesberger was part and, and very active within the FS, uh, especially in the early 50s, uh, there was a lot of rune magic being done. And later on, there was uh, a lot of influence from the Wicca uh, movement. And uh, later on, well, and there was some chaos magic uh, uh, being being uh, implemented in a specific FS way, mind you. But uh, but the the reason I'm mentioning is this: this is because the FS in itself, uh, if you might say, you want to say, the core FS is open to these things. But it's but they're not part and parcel of it. Like uh, if nobody is interested in rune, were interested in rune magic anymore, that would be absolutely no problem for the FS. To continue working because uh, maybe it's something else uh, people are interested the core fs thing that that's that's an entirely different thing uh that is not really related or or to to a lot of uh, you know you might say practical magic gregorio's actually made a point of this especially after the war when he said We'll have our meetings. We'll have our, our general ritual, and when that ritual is finished, after that, we can do some practical work like dowsing or rune magic or or uh, tarot reading or whatever. But that is separate from the FS work proper. So it's 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 aligned. Yes, uh, the members are invo- maybe involved in it, but they're not they're not required to be. And that's actually part of uh, part of the degree system. For instance, I'm I'm working on, on my 25th degree now, which is the, uh, um, a master of Gnosis. and uh, uh, and and that and that's a topical thing, which we which means that in my in my in my thesis for that degree, I'm focused on Gnosticism. And there's and there's other degrees where you would be more focused on on let's say solar magic or or on mercury magic or whatever uh that yes but uh, but it's uh, but that uh, but apart from that it's not that you, you know you would go to the fraternity's attorney and then expect to be trained as a dowser for instance there might be people there who could uh, train you yes and if you get along with them, and, and 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 they they'd like to do it with you, uh, they might do it. But that's not an FS thing. That's not an FS proper thing. It might it might may take place there within that context, the general context. But it's not part of the FS, um, the, the core FS uh, remit.
0: One thing that struck me um, in the flowers book <clears throat> was that he seemed to um, he seemed to suggest that there was an element of putting the initiate the initiate through um, stages of polarisation so kind of uh, uh, making the initiate kind of almost act in a way opposite to how they were currently you know I'm probably not describing this very well but um, and, and that struck me as being you know often you see this a lot with other left hand well with left hand path groups such as uh, like Temple of Set, you know, um, even the Typhonians to to a to a degree. Um, could you talk a little bit about this kind of polarization that the initiate is? Um...
2: Uh, yes, like I can talk about it on on two levels. One is the FS proper level or core FS level, uh, where this is this may be mentioned, but it's not really part and parcel of the curriculum. Second, that's the personal level. When you, uh, when you join the fraternity's attorney, uh, you'll be assigned a mentor. And that, that mentor, it's up to the mentor what the, he or she will actually do with you. And this also dependent on what you actually bring along already, what you're, you're interested in, what you're well-versed in, what you're not well-versed in, or what that mentor may deem uh, to be fit for you. And within that context, yes, exactly that can happen, what you, you've just described. But there may be people where this is not adequate, where this is uh, of, of little to no avail. Like, for, for instance, if I were a mentor and I got an, a, a new neophyte was assigned to me, uh, who was extremely well versed in, 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 in agori and, and uh, uh, Hindu Tantra and and, and, and and that kind of stuff, there would be little point if I, you know, try to, to, uh, uh, to convey some Panchamakara work on him or her i might i might focus on something entirely different because that's something uh he or she already knows about hey they actually might teach me a thing or two about for all i know so uh so it's it's, it's not it's not a general thing if, if you got that impression that, well that impression is not the it's not the real uh um the real mccoy as they say because uh, this can happen, but but it's actually pretty individual. And uh, and it's not that every um, neophyte joining the fraternity's attorney undergoes the exactly same training. Uh, Yes, there will be a lot of stuff covered, so so that we're all more or less on the same level after a few years' time. But um, specialization starts actually quite early on already because for, for pragmatic reasons. I mean, most people, you know, it, it's it's not that, that we we we're ta- only taking up youngsters. So, you know, people who are maybe 18 years old, but nobody older because we want to form the later man or the woman. Uh some people when they join the order, hey, I mean <laughs> they're pensioners. You know? Uh I mean what I what I'm what I'm saying is uh, they have a whole lot of life experience and maybe even occult experience maybe they've been into you know into different magical orders already and this that and the other they bring along a lot of others other 40s and maybe soft spots and so on as well and so it has to be adjusted individually uh to to that uh, specific person and um whereas the the, the dogmatic core, as it were, if you were to call it that, of the fraternity's Attorney, is uh, it, it's it's actually more an ontological one rather than a practical one. Yes, we have our cults, uh, cultists, uh, uh, you know, like rituals we do, we do and so on, which are set. But uh, but apart from that, it's, it's not that uh, that that you know you have to go through all your you know uh, shadow. Uh, uh, Inhibitions and and anxieties and so on before you can attain to the next uh, level or whatever individually that may be the case but not as a not as a as a group or uh, or uh, uh, as a membership the membership as a whole it's actually far more individualistic than that
0: mm. I, I remember in that section of the book <clears throat> um, Flowers talks about uh, the, the process being somewhat alchemical he, I think he says coagulating the Saturnian lead with the solar gold
2: um, uh, yes that is that, 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 that has, for, for quite a long time that was actually one uh, quite common um, interpretation of what's going on and you will find a lot of members who will actually explain this entire process of let's say Saturnian self-development or crystallization of the eye or the ego uh, which is one of the aims of, uh, of the EFS uh, 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 you'll you'll find them you you'll hear them discussing that in these terms. But again, that is a metaphor. I might ex- instead choose to explain it to you personally uh, in astrological terms, maybe, or uh, maybe maybe because I don't know the least bit about alchemy, or because I find this is more adequate to your your personal uh, arcanum, as it were. Or uh, or to the situation uh, we're in, or to the specific times we're in, or whatever. Whereas there might be somebody else uh, for whom I uh, I might uh, uh, suggest a more, let's say, physical curriculum, which goes more into yoga stuff, for instance.
1: Yeah, when the teacher teaches, they learn twice. And uh, in some groups, you have like the the core, as you say, the 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 core, the skeleton of the 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 core ritual and and so on and but they also might m- meet regularly to sort of uh, I mean in some groups they uh, each person takes a turn to present uh, a, a a themed group on some on on petite, on some occult aspect or something like that indeed
2: indeed and there's other organisations the Temple of Seth for instance where they actually have sub orders which are focused on specific uh, topics or, or techniques techniques or whatever. Like they have this this you know overarching uh uh order that the temple of set and then they might have uh let's say a sub order which is a solely devoted to uh rudic law or other or or, or satanic uh, uh or left hand uh hand path uh work or whatever and uh uh, well, we do, we don't we don't do it in this kind of you know uh, kind of manner like uh, you know uh, setting up entire sub orders, uh, but but it's a, it's a very similar similar approach actually. You know, we we have our degrees for that, or at least the working degrees, and uh, and of course everyone is is always encouraged all the time to uh, to expand their knowledge based on the theoretical. Or uh, the scholarly, or of course, absolutely on the on the practical level, all the time.
0: Mm. Well, we're talking about the age of Aquarius earlier on, um, and obviously there is, you know, the pretentious attorney seemed to come about as a result of, you know, the uh, this kind of schism that happened when Crowley took over the uh, OTO. Um, what actual. Uh, the pan...
2: Actually, the Penzofic Lodge. I mean. Oh, pan- taking... Lodge, yeah. Yeah, well. taking over the OTO long before that, yeah. Mm.
0: So, what was the actual. What actual influence does Thelema or, you know, or does Crowley's work still have on the Fraternitas Attorney today?
2: Uh, Crowdy's work in general, I would say the, there is some influence there, yes. Uh, the, the law of Thelema, indeed, yes. Uh, uh, even to some extent, specific or individual interpretations of the book of the law. But, uh, of course, the FS started out by not recognizing, uh, to put it in a negative manner, uh, Crowley as the new world savior. (laughs) Right? Uh, The the, the schism that occurred within the Pensophic Lodge, which led to the establishment of the fraternity's attorney, was all about not having Crowley as the main and only... Uh, and all-knowing and omnipotent uh, Guru of of uh, the specific Brotherhood uh, this said uh the the, the law of uh, Thalima is mentioned quite a lot but but there's this addition right I mean uh, uh which has been discussed uh, when when I say well do what thou will shall be the whole of law love is the law love and the will and then there's this addition uh, introduced by gregorius and which is still uh part and parcel of the fraternity's attorney today um uh, what is often very ill translated as compassionless love yeah uh what is actually meant is uh meant by that 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 that, that, that that's an <laughs> a translation Issue because uh, in German it is mitleidloser Liebe, which technically is correct. It's correct to translate it as compassionless love. Only compassionless in English has quite a different connotation than it has in German. In German, it it has the connotation uh, of uh, being unsentimental.
0: Mm. So, did, uns- so do the FS consider themselves Thelemites then, or do they consider themselves something different?
2: A lot of uh, FS members consider themselves Thelemites, but the Saturn, Saturnian attorney as such, is not a Thelemitic order. It is an order which subscribes to the law of Thelema, but not doesn't subscribe to. Okay, let's put it uh, in a, in an easy to understand manner. It does not subscribe to Crowleyanity.
1: And in the and in the flowers book, there is there's, a, there's I, I mean there's there's a part of a ritual. Which suggests an influence from Liber Fifteen, the Gnostic Catholic Mass. There's like a list. It doesn't say Gnostic saints, but they. they there's a, some of them are similar and some of them are different. If you compare the two. Well, things. we ha-
2: we ha- we have a different canon of, uh, but but that is only within one specific uh, uh, within one specific context where that is used, and it's not not uh, not part and parcel of the general uh ritual uh work and uh and uh it's, it's not the same canon as uh, as uh, crowley's i mean crowley's canon for instance uh in- includes uh at least in its original form i'm not sure whether it's been reformed or not includes uh such uh nice people like uh, boulanger who was an extremely right-wing racist french general in the 19th century and and uh, and others uh, sorry no <laughs> uh that's that's not part and parcel of that and uh uh yes there, again there have been influences of uh of that um uh but then uh, of of uh, what crowley is in, well installed to some extent but uh but uh it's 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 not it's not just a lookalike, or uh, it's not that you know we're kind of a, a Saturnian OTO or something like that uh, because uh, we have quite a quite a different view of uh, of uh, um for example uh, the fraternity attorney does not consider itself to be a church or a religion which the OTO eminently does well an aspect of it does it, it, well hey that's one of the reasons why they have to accept they have to i mean uh, after that it's if diff- it's a different story but uh, but so, so uh yes i mean uh, and, and and hey look at uh, the crowley's equinox uh, um the method of science and what the aim of uh, religion. religion
1: yes yeah. yes yeah um uh, it's just an observation it, it just struck me as um, yeah i couldn't help making like sort of comparisons i mean there's a there's a, a version of the creed uh, uh Toto spermimu, this is the this is my seed and so on. It's but
2: anyways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and a lot of that all would uh, say ninety percent of that, that Croyan stuff is uh, absolutely not not part of the FS um uh cultic heritage.
0: So I think um obviously not next week, but we will definitely have to have you back because we haven't really touched upon sex magic yeah and that's another big kind of Ha-ha. element of uh
1: <laughs> secrets of the german sex magicians will make a very sensational yes, uh, finally revealed it, uh-huh. it, it, it make, a, make a very sensational uh podcast uh, title well uh, yeah. yes where uh, yeah,
2: we could put it under that title uh i have i have a lot to say about that title which wasn't mine but hey let's give <laughs> that to, to another uh evening or late night huh? yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: excellent but yeah it's, it's it's been um i really appreciate you giving us uh two episodes of your time that's uh very generous of you and um
1: i was i was i was very much looking forward to speaking to you again and i noticed actually by by chance i'm wearing black and green Liturgical <laughs> colors, uh, so that's, that's a so nice am piece. I actually, well, there yeah, we are, so you see. There, we... We go. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> I, 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 that, that in itself says a lot, and the, my at least my saturnian ignorance, leaden ignorance, has been sort of spun into. <laughs> Uh, probably a, a poor quality gold, but it's it's some. It's some sort of...
2: You mean like eight eight carat or something? I'm not sure, but it,
1: it's sparkling, it's and I I I, I um, and uh, there we are. Uh,
2: as long as it's not fool's gold, <laughs> if it was
1: the right kind of fool, if it yeah. was the right kind of fool, there,
0: there and on that mystery, <laughs> indeed. If people want to get in contact with you online or find out what you're up to next, what where, was the best place for them to to, to find you? Um,
2: usually on Facebook. On Facebook, look me up on look me up on Facebook because uh, I used to be on Twitter a lot or X as it's called now, but that was a purely commercial uh, uh, account I used at the time, and uh, so when I'm uh, when I'm around uh, on social. Media—it's usually restricted, not to Facebook. Not that I like it particularly, but uh, most of my contacts are there. So, um
0: so, so and uh, if um, yeah. in terms of output, as in um, in terms of books and and whatnot, uh, you did mention that you're overseeing a new Fraternitas Attorney book. Um, yeah, but do you have any other um, any other titles? Upcoming?
2: Well, I'm pers- personally working now, uh, right now, on a, on a book. Uh, tentative working title is uh, A Praxis Calling, uh, which is a book on uh, basically experiential noses. It consists of, uh, you might say, Gnostic meditations, which uh, are based on either quotes from classical Gnostic literature or from, from authors uh, who adopt a uh, Gnostic stance in one way or another. Uh, which are then guided meditations, and um, uh, the the thing here being that uh, that old Gnostic, uh, or one of the Gnostic schools, uh, saying uh, that um, view that uh, we are actually, if if we if we for a minute take seriously this concept that there's a divine spark in us, in ourselves, in in, in call it soul or whatever, uh then uh, it, it doesn't need redemption. It's redeemed already. What it needs is waking up, awakening. And uh, so uh, uh, that's what I mean by experiential noses, actually uh, in, enabling people, enabling readers, uh, hopefully, to, uh, to uh, actually experience noses on an individual level. And and then take it from there without any you know uh, dogmas uh, uh, following following up and telling you now you have to live this way or that way or another. I'm not interested in that at all. All I'm interested in is uh, offering uh, a, a set of you might say gateways to uh, to experiencing or um, uh, yeah the, yeah what is uh, the, the the Gnostic experience and uh, and. Uh, to make clear that this is that this isn't something that's way out of the world or, or that only comes uh, to you after you've swept the temple for 30 years or uh, or done this uh um, exercise and, and that ritual uh but that's actually something that is innate in you either it is or it isn't i, I mean there's there's nothing school which says well oh, well, either you are a Gnostic or a psychic, and if you're a psychic, you can become a Gnostic. Uh, but, uh, but if you're a Heilig, you aren't, uh, then then this is not for you, no matter what. I'm not uh, taking a, a set stance on that, but that's what my book will basically be about. Plus a lot of you know other additional infos, like uh, what sources do we have and where do we find them and, and uh, uh, this, that and the other.
0: And most importantly, will it be available in English?
2: <laughs> it will be available in German and in English. Yes, okay, brilliant. So, well, not as a bilingual, but as two separate, uh, two separate uh, books. Uh, I will, uh, I might publish the German uh, edition first, but I don't think so. I, actually, I prefer to have it uh, to launch, to to launch it uh, in in both languages at once, uh, for the simple reason that it's less of a hassle.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah and you, you don't do twice the pr then as well
2: <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Which, well, which is which is part of the hassle <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> hopefully this hasn't been hassle for you this evening no but, uh, absolutely not no no
2: <laughs> i i really really enjoy your format i'm looking forward to the uh to the uh to the link once uh you're going live with this stuff and uh, if you feel like inviting me again sometime, anytime. On, uh, oh, certainly well. like it. Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah,
2: may the force and uh, whatever we'll be with you. Eh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we are back. So that was, uh, I feel we've covered a lot more of the kind of core of the yeah. FS in this episode and
1: I hope it encourages people to look closer you know do their own study if they haven't done already some people will maybe never heard of the, uh, the proverb of Saturn and then uh, that go and seek the, the the book by flowers upon it and so on and any other material can, you can get your hands on. Like I say, it's not it's not as much as I'd like there to be.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it is a good book as well, the flowers book. It's yeah, excellent, um, excellent. It's Actually,
1: I mean, in the, the, it's been it's gone through a few incarnations. there's little the Llewellyn one, which was very good, which introduced me, in fact, uh, uh, properly to the subject matter, which I only read about in small articles, and so it was, you know a very valid uh thing and then apparently there was another version which is very rare never seen it and then we've got the, the current incarnation so um which is uh yeah very comp- more comprehensive i think that's fair enough to say
0: yeah and it's it's always interesting this that particular era is, is very you know interesting to me but you know where you have uh the OTO kind of changing its shape and then you have this group appearing it's a very it's very fertile kind of ground to cover isn't it and I think there's so much that we can still explore like I say in the interview we didn't really touch on sex magic and that is a big element of the fraternities well at least it is for one section from what I can tell of yeah the one section
1: and that that's that's true of other organizations from what I understand so yeah so yeah yeah enjoy the you know hope you did enjoy and got got something out of this and um you know and, and bring it into your life in whatever that in, in whatever way you can
0: yeah. yeah and uh look forward to you know, future appearances by mr ud, uh, mr. ud. he's definitely he's risen shot to the top of my my list of favorite um I you know, guests. you know he's uh he's excellent. He's a good talker and a good humoured chap. So that's yeah, a, a... yeah, good
1: humoured and. and uh enlightened and enlightening I think so, yeah I think that tells that, that comes across pretty well I think
0: yeah definitely definitely so do not forget to if you need to you know you need to stay in contact with us and I know for some people they need to stay in contact <laughs> with us um, do you follow us at City now on all social media I think it's at City now official on TikTok which I, I've been neglecting actually I need to start posting clips there again um, but yeah do drop us a line if there's particular topics you want us to look at you know things that you, f- you feel we're sorely lacking in and i'm sure we are i'm sure that i mean we've never done an episode on the golden dawn for example which probably should do one of those at some point um but yeah if there's any particular subjects you want us to cover uh any themes topics just let us know um we're quite easy to reach uh via the old social medias or or by via email if you can if you can go to our website sittingnow.co.uk there is a contact form and you can contact us that way but anyway it's been fun and we shall see you next week